Hey everyone, well we're back for another episode of Calvero Speaks. No, I did not abandon this podcast. Thank you for all the returning listeners who have stuck with me. This podcast has now been going on for over a year with, of course, some admitted fits and starts. I didn't really expect anyone would listen, so the fact that anyone's listening to this shit and wants to hear me ramble for an hour or so is pretty fucking cool. Uh, To anyone who's joining me for the first time, welcome. Welcome to my world. So, why has it been two months since the last episode? Honestly, I've been fucking busy. I've been a little tunnel vision. I've been really working to be able to get some new music out. I'm not fucking around. No more spending one year on one fucking song. I'm feeling pretty motivated. I'm a little fired up. I feel like I gave myself a lot of space for learning the past couple years, and I didn't want to rush that process, and it was... The learning process of getting comfortable with my DAW, that's my digital audio workstation for anyone who's not a fucking dork like me. Um, You know, getting comfortable producing on my own, comfortable tracking and arranging my vocals, finding my process, finding my lane, finding out how I want to make what I want to make. I think we've talked about that. We've talked about that on here. Now, the curveball has been that I've now taken on the task of mixing my own stuff too, which is a pretty massive leap in the technical side of things that I never really expected I'd be taking on. But it just kind of happened naturally that I had a song that had been finished for about a year and was just sitting on my hard drive while I was waiting for it to get mixed by someone else. But here's what happened, and if you follow me on my newsletter or on Patreon, you probably know a lot of this already, but I've been kind of obsessed with mixing and was watching a bunch of Twitch streams of mixing engineers mixing pop stuff, and I was learning a lot of those concepts that have been so foreign to me and, and using EQ, using compression, even fucking multiband compression. And, and I spent some money on a bunch of nice plugins. And so I was working on this new track, mostly for fun. And I just decided to put energy into kind of mixing it and trying out uh, uh, mixing where it was at that point and trying out those concepts, those mix concepts and expressing myself through that art. And it felt pretty low stakes because I knew someone who knew what they were doing was going to mix it at the end of the day. Um, Also, as an aside, it's pretty common, especially in the world of pop, for producers um, to really know how to mix. And when their track is finished and they send it to a mixer, the song is basically 92% there mix-wise, and they just have to have someone take it to the extra 8%, give it a, a little polish. So yeah, I'd I'd just been going down that wormhole just because it felt natural. And and dear listeners, I think that's actually a pretty important thing I know we've talked about on the pod before. But you do not want to get in the way of the rabbit holes. If you're compelled by something, obsessed with something, within reason, I think any obsession... Is uh, can be bad, even even if it seems like a positive. That's something I learned um, going to therapy to treat obsession, but um, that's just an aside. But you got to just see where that rabbit hole takes you, even if it feels like you're losing the thread, even if it feels like it's pulling you away from what you thought the plan was. You, It's usually beneficial if you just ride it out. And then if it gets too much, if it stops being exciting, if you find out it's not for you, then that's fine. And maybe that was the point of the rabbit hole, but and that's when you know the ride is over. But as much as I have those nagging feelings of, you're not a technical guy, just worry about the songs, worry about the music, someone else can take care of the technical stuff, it's not your job. My curiosity just got the best of me. And it's actually subject 
That's up for a lot of debate on the internet, on the message boards, the, the gear space, <laughs> formerly gear sluts, uh, Reddit, etc., that I've seen a lot. And it's that question of, should you mix your own music? And I honestly think there's compelling arguments in both directions, but I'll tell you why I like it. I just keep thinking about an artist friend of mine named Matthew Shelton, who's an, also an amazing singer-songwriter. I visited his studio in Chicago maybe seven or eight years ago. Good lord, time flies. And I think we were talking about sculptures, but it, but it could have just been uh, any painting or visual piece. I can't really remember, but he was saying that what he liked about that work is that you can kind of use your brain in different ways depending on the task and depending on the process. So for example, the initial conception of the piece, that's a very creative process that you have to be very present for. It's kind of what I like to think of as the big bang moment, that moment of conception. And then there's kind of more manual stuff like sanding shit down, filling out colors. I don't know, I don't really know anything about the visual arts, but it's more technical stuff um, or, or more just kind of like manual labor where you can maybe have a podcast on in the background or whatever. It's, it's of course still creative and it's still art, but it's more like you're doing a job. You're, you're, you're filling a role that, that, that maybe you could hire someone else to do and, and you already know what needs to be, get done. You've already written that blueprint. So, so you're just getting the task done. And I like having that balance. I like to be able to do both things. I don't necessarily like to always be on the super hyper creative side of always coming up with song ideas or production ideas. I kind of like the balance of, of more technical or even more mind numbing stuff. Not that mixing is mind numbing, but there'd always been like the, when I would track my vocals and arrange my 200 fucking vocals or whatever, there's that initial creative moment that birthed the song and arranged those vocals and decided how many layers I wanted. And then uh, the very physical act of recording all those vocals. Uh, but then you're left with 200 fucking vocals and there's a lot you have to do with that shit before you can really work with it, build music around it, you gotta edit it, you gotta nudge it around, you gotta clean up the audio files, get everything lined up, maybe a little bit of tuning, definitely a little bit of tuning if you're me. Do some gain staging, even out the volumes, a little bit of EQ, a little bit of compression, a little bit of DS and duck, duck those S's in. It's just a process that I can do and just like have a have a podcast on and, and just kind of relax and get it done. And it's a it's a bit of like a drone drone work that um, that I find to be a pretty welcoming workflow after intense periods of in the zone creativity. Um, so, so I like that and, and mixing is kind of an in-between zone for me because it's, it's still a very creative art and it's a lot of problem solving. I heard, uh, I heard a mixer the other day say that it's the job of basically managing energy, which, which I, I love that, that visualization, but, but I find it to be calming and enjoying, but also challenging and difficult, of course. Um, but, and after this burst of creative diarrhea, and I apologize, I couldn't think of a better term, I'm just spitballing here, but after fervently writing and producing and tracking something, all you, you're just managing that energy. You're making sure the things that you want to cut through are cutting through, the things you want in the back are in the back, and you're just using these tools to do a job to make it happen. And I actually like being able to have that workflow to be able to do that as a and I couldn't see myself ever wanting to exclusively do that to like just be a mixer all day. I, I, I think I think not. But 
I've been finding it to be a pretty welcome tool in my toolbox as a music creator to be able to do. Um, so anyways, moving away from this tangent, <laughs> but uh, in all honesty, this whole thing is a fucking tangent. I've made peace with that. I've accepted it. It's maybe maybe it's the point of this whole thing that it's all one long tangent, but I'd been working on this production for another song. The song I started after the last one, which I've been sitting on waiting for a mix, and I was just spending some time trying to make this new one sound good where it was at because I was going to send it to some friends to feedback and just be like, hey, does this suck or is this a thing? And I sent that work of work in progress to my collaborator, Rami, uh, who'd been playing some guitar and some bass on it. And I showed him what I had and and uh, I wanted just to get some feedback on the production, see how close to done it felt. And he was just very complimentary on how it sounded and he said that that um i could totally mix my own stuff and that really took me aback uh you'll know if you've listened to most of uh, the episodes of this pod that i've been pretty dismissive of myself when it comes to anything in the more technical realm but to be honest the idea that i could mix my shit myself was actually a pretty exciting prospect first of all now i have most of the fucking plugins that everyone has but it's really also a practical thing I don't have a budget to get a pro to do it with a deadline. I just kind of have to wait for some favors. And it's not really a sustainable model in this day and age. Uh, You really got to just put as much stuff out as you can, which of course has been a bit of an existential struggle for me because I really like doing 300 vocals and dense productions. And I like to to, uh, take writing the song and crafting it and letting it sit Uh, So I've really set myself up for a slow process just based on how I like music and how I like to make it. And uh, so that's already kind of uh, a thorn in my side, if you will. Um, The idea of, okay, I can finish a song and then when it's done, I can just mix it. Then I can get it mastered, then it's fucking done, then I can put it out and go to the next one. That's a pretty enticing, that's pretty enticing situation. So... So yeah, that's why I took some time to step away from the podcast. I gave myself a month to mix one song. (laughs) Of course, most people take like a day or an hour if they know what they're doing um, to mix one song. But I gave myself a lot of time and space to try it, start over, try it, start over, send to my mixing friends, get feedback, start over. You know the drill. Um, So I've really wanted to be in it for that process because I'm trying to catch up trying to start stacking some tracks so that I can get a little momentum again. That's something that was really great about when I started as Calvero. Uh, I had five songs that were already mixed and mastered and done. And I was able to spread that out and make music videos and other stuff. And it was a nice release pace. And it was good to know that I had the next move already planned out. But the thing is, I had basically been working on that shit from 2015 to the end of 2018, which is when I released Vanishing Streets, my first single. So what I'm trying to say is, uh, I keep telling myself I'll pick up the pace when I'm more comfortable producing, when I understand my writing process better, when I can mix, etc. And and look, at this point, there's just no more fucking excuses. With all the rabbit holes I've gone down at this point, it's time to go. And I'm not going to rush anything. I'm not going to put anything... I don't like out, but I'm also not going to give myself a fucking year to mix one song. I'm not going to give myself a month to mix one song. I'm not going to spend two months writing a song. You got me? I'm ready to get moving a bit more. Okay, so I'm on a roll now. I'm all fired up, and uh, (laughs) I must have missed this outlet. 
this podcast outlet. Um, but before I go any further, um, I haven't done any plugs yet. And uh, so, you know, another another reason I haven't been able to dive into this podcast is because on top of all the music work, I've been tending to my Patreon every week with new stuff. I've got a couple of songwriting students, so there's a lot going on. So if you've been enjoying my work and would like to support and help me grow, the best way to do that is to join me on Patreon at patreon.com slash calverosings. I do a lot of video stuff. I actually just did a video uh, yesterday where I just I just uh, put up the faders on the production that I've been working on as I was revisiting for the first time in a couple of months and just broke down what's going on in that track. Um, so lots of behind-the-scenes stuff, some blogs, some blog stuff. If you're an all-access patron, you get a songwriting demo every month. Um, for this month, June, I shared the demo for the song I'm getting ready to release. And even if you don't want all this access and you don't want all this extra shit, you can still just enjoy the feeling of knowing that you are helping a hard-working, independent creator who's just trying to move forward, just trying to build something and cut through the fucking noise. Uh, and of course, if you can't afford the membership that doesn't make me any less grateful of the fact that you've been paying attention and you can still help by simply listening to this podcast listening to my music and if you want to take it to the next fucking level you can tell a friend about my tunes about the podcast about whatever or if you really want to fucking blow my mind you can make a post share a song tell people to follow me on instagram or twitter or tiktok uh i'll, I'll leave a link to all my profiles in the show notes uh, yeah, I've been pretty active on TikTok, believe it or not. We'll get to that. We'll talk about that uh, in in the minutes or the tens of minutes to come. But uh, you can give me a follow over there at at, uh, at Calvero underscore sings. I don't know how many listeners are on TikTok, but I'm over there starting feuds with 20-year-old emo rappers from Massachusetts. Also, if you're a songwriter, if you're a longtime songwriter, if you've never written a fucking song in your life, let's do a lesson. Let's do a couple lessons, or we can make it a regular weekly thing, or bi-weekly, or whatever. I do it over Zoom. We can either workshop whatever you've been working on. We can start from the basics or anything in between. Um, really love doing this stuff. There's a link for a little website I put together in the show notes that includes more details on pricing. It's got some testimonials. So if this is something you might be interested in, then shoot me an email at iamcalvero at gmail.com. Let's chat. Finally, I do have a newsletter. I have tended to, I have not tended to it in the past two months, similar to the reasons why I haven't tended to this podcast, but I plan to get back to that too, so you'll get important updates, plus most likely a nice rant in there. Head to the show notes if you'd like to sign up. It's a great way to stay in touch. Uh, I like the newsletter. It, it's especially nice if you don't like all this social media bullshit. I can just show up in your inbox every once in a while. You don't need to deal with all the terrors of the algorithms from um fucking instagram or whatever uh so yeah that's that's it for that did i spend too much time on that maybe maybe i did uh but keep your eyes out though i do have a new song on the way it's imminent get mastered might might be done today might be ready to go today i might might uh go get it set up set a little release date get get moving uh today um, and it will hopefully even be out before the next episode of the podcast. And if you're signed up for my newsletter, you will, of course, know about it the day it comes out. Um, so anyways, yeah, yeah, that's, that's good. Yeah. Follow me on all the things, Spotify, Instagram, uh, Twitter, etc. Or don't, you don't have to. It's fine. It's fine. We're all, we're all going to die one day. No regrets. Was That was, there was no point in me saying that. Anyways, I refuse to edit myself. 
Unfiltered, baby. So uh, let's get back to the thread. And also, I got to say, the last episode I know was a cliffhanger. Um, Last episode was a continuation of my narrative that I started in the first episode. And if you haven't realized by now, I will not be continuing the narrative in this episode. I will pick it up maybe next episode, but my head's just not there right now. I've got a bunch of other shit I got to get out of my chest off of my chest and and I think this podcast like everything I do I think it works best if I just write out where my head's out heads at I don't want to force anything um but we will soon enough get get to leaving Chicago part two but not right but not right now not right now so where were we uh so I'm feeling good about this mixing stuff I'm feeling good about bringing that into my process If anything, it's a major test for what I've been working on in therapy for the past few years. And uh, and I think pre-therapy, I I just think I would have far too much unregulated fear and anxiety going on to be able to make way for that epiphany of of maybe wanting to take a shot at mixing or, or to even entertain that it would be possible. I just wouldn't have trusted myself. I would have thought I was gonna fail, ruin my career or whatever. But yeah, part of this process is accepting that I'm going to mix something. And if I do like a really good job, it's maybe going to be 70% as good as if a professional mixed it. Uh, So I've got a personal relationship to the music and the vision as a counterpoint. Sometimes it's really helpful to get an outside unbiased ear. But sometimes it can be really powerful to have a connection to have that personal connection from creator to piece of art and to to be able to make something that's really unique, to make mistakes or do things the wrong way out of sheer ignorance that actually end up sounding pretty cool. So I've talked a lot about this guy Devin Townsend before. I hope I hope um, mentioning him has not uh, has not uh, come to eye rolling status. <laughs> so so I apologize. I just um, he's he's a guy that that I just I'm a fan of his music from way back when. I don't think I'd be a fan of his music now if I didn't have that connection from when I was a kid. But he he's just someone who I always look up to as as far as I think he's got a really good head on his shoulders. I'm always searching for role models that are older. Um, as I get older, um, I, I, I'd rather it, you know, the, the 26 year old genius wonderkins are great, but but I'm always seeking the people in their 40s or their 50s or their 60s who I can kind of look up to for some sage advice. And, and he's got a lot of he's got a lot of insight that kind of aligns with my own personal work with therapy and rethinking my relationship with uh, my creativity and, and uh, the art and the music. And I also really like the way that he brings himself um open to his fans too and, and is uh really open with a lot of a lot of um the inner workings of his music so so that's why he keeps coming up but 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 i'll try to try to limit it <clears throat> but um i've talked a lot about this guy and he's also a guy who <clears throat> made a switch to making to mixing his own music now the reason that i mix my own music is honestly more because of budgetary restrictions at the moment. But for him, he just wasn't able to get the sound he wanted from the pros. And he knew that the first couple albums that he released and mixed, he knew that they maybe wouldn't sound too great, but he knew he needed to get those out 
as stepping stones to start moving towards where he wanted to be. And that's a really power thing, powerful thing to be able to do, to make something and accept that it's not going to be perfect. To see it as a small stepping stone in the large arc of your creative life, to be able to let it go, to put it out in the world, not suppress it, but to unleash it, to make it no longer yours and to move on from there. To understand and accept that the most important remnants of that thing you made is not this tangible object or any sort of money or clout or notoriety or career leg ups that might come from from this, um, because a lot of that is just dumb luck or marketing or connections anyways. But the real value is the lessons that you learned from making that, how that informs what you do next, even if the takeaway is, I'm not going to fucking do that again, that didn't work at all. But now you know, and, and I think it takes a lot of courage to be able to be comfortable with that process to let things go. I was just watching a trilogy of films by <clears throat> Jean Cocteau, the, uh, the, it's the Orpheus trilogy that's on uh, Criterion Channel. It's some pretty trippy, abstract, experimental stuff, but I think symbolically it deals a lot with the artist's relationship to their art, almost as if the art becomes a living, breathing thing, something that starts as a spark or an idea or an extension of the brain but spirals into something that has a life of its own that the artist has no control over once it's done and out there. But anyways, yeah, I got my <clears throat> first new song. First new song since Wait, which I released, um, <laughs> shit, October of last year. Whoops. Um, and I'll be honest, there were some problems in the mixing that became apparent for this new one. Became apparent when my buddy started mastering it. And we decided I should make some fixes, some pretty big fixes. And I did kind of spiral out, to be perfectly honest. And I had a good deal of doubt and started really questioning, was this just a horrible idea? Is this something I have no business doing? Really fucking psyched myself out as I can tend to do. But then I revisited the thing, made the fixes, and it's fine. And, and actually, I'm quite happy with how it sounds. So... I've definitely decided this is something I want to keep exploring as part of my process. Why not? I think a lot more artists, musical artists, are <clears throat> learning to mix just because no one has the fucking budget. And, and who knows? Maybe, maybe it's not a priority. I think it's just because it's, it's really hard to make a buck in music unless you are in a very privileged position in terms of industry proximity. Um, in it, the proximity of people who could give you a budget to work with. But, but a lot of people just mix out of necessity. I think it's a super useful skill to have the way I see it in a perfect world. If I do start getting budgets to work with, I think the first thing I do that I would hand over to someone else would probably be mixing. That would be probably the first thing I'd let go. And I'll just happily take what I learned to inform my production and recording process. But but also, who knows? Maybe as I do more of it, I'll just fucking love it and keep it up. Uh, that Devin Townsend guy still mixes his own stuff, and he could certainly afford to have other people do it. So who knows? A buddy of mine asked me to make a theme song for a video game that he's putting out, and I'll share some, for, some details uh, on that shortly. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. But I saw this as a great in-between project between mixing this song and then finishing this next one, just a task to really reinforce my process for producing and mixing and tracking and trying to get faster to not get bogged down by the process. So 
I did my usual thing, recorded a ton of vocals, and I put them together and edited them pretty fast. And after all was said and done, I got it all tracked, produced, and mixed in two weeks. And that is very, very fast for me. Yeah, it's like a one-minute song, but you're talking to a guy who spent a year on a three-minute song, and, and it still isn't done yet. So this was very satisfying for me. And it got to the last day when I was mixing it, and I was just like, holy shit. I could just finish this today, and I'll be fucking done. And instead of my usual stick of obsessing, trying to get everything perfect, not trusting myself, doubting myself, I was just like, okay, this is fucking done. Wow, holy shit. <laughs> and I sent it to my buddy and he was really happy and I was just like, wow, okay, it's done then. I can just move on to the next thing. So my hope is that this is what's to come moving forward. No, it's not my hope. It's my prerogative. It's, it, I'm committing to that. I'm committing to it. Again, I think it's important that everyone has a process that they love and that they don't feel guilty about. Particularly in music, but I think in all mediums these days, there's just a demand for massive output. To constantly be in people's faces, to have new things, new songs you can upload to Spotify. And it's a balancing act to meet those demands, to get the momentum that you want, but to also be able to make music or whatever on your own terms to make it the way you want. I think that's the most important thing. If you do things your way on your terms, I think that will always benefit you, even if it, um, even if it sends you behind on, on other elements. And, and that's what find its way to, finds its way to more people than it would if you were just feeding the fucking algorithm. At the same time, it's good to have some sense of a deadline. Otherwise, you can keep going, keep tweaking forever. You can just keep burning it down and starting again from the rubble. So the way I see it, maybe the past two years has been an experimental phase and a learning phase, but I think I've got my process now. I think I'm comfortable enough with the tools. I'm ready to get going and move forward a little more. Because like another thing, you can watch tons of videos and tutorials and bug your friends who know more than you with lots of questions, but... At the end of the day, it's in the doing that you really learn. And sometimes I forget that. I, I feel like I have this pressure to just totally have all my ducks in a row and to, to learn everything and to know every plugin and to know every concept when, um, I don't know, really, you just got to get your fucking hands dirty. And it's the process of making, letting go, moving on. That's really where the growth comes from. So... Speaking of letting go, let's let go of this particular rant. Um, so what else has been going on? What else is new? Well, I'm assuming you're asking that. In, in the past month, I joined TikTok, as, as I alluded to earlier in this episode, and I've been pretty active on there, and that's been quite a journey. You know, TikTok is something that I've always associated as a hell app for fucking Zoomers that would make me feel old. But I sometimes do these Q&As in my Instagram stories and a couple people had been telling me that I should join TikTok, that I should start using it. And I was just really skeptical, really putting it off. I had downloaded the app and had an account for a few months and was just kind of scrolling through that For You page. And it was really just showing me the most popular stuff. So it was like a, a lot of teenagers doing pranks and kids in mansions doing dances or whatever. So I had a hard time wrapping my head around it and seeing where I could fit in. But it had been kind of a nagging thought in my head over the months. I should really try this thing out. I've got a new song on the way. I should try and get something going. 
Um, I've been aware that one of my weaknesses when it comes to the music world and the music business is that I'm pretty bad at finding a wider audience, finding people outside my circle. I've been really grateful that people I've trickled in and, and some of those people listen to this podcast and subscribe to the Patreon and stuff. And that's honestly the fucking coolest thing ever. But it's something that I've been aware um, I need to get a little better at because if you're competing in capitalism, which regrettably I am, a, a lot of the whole thing about capitalism is growing. Um, so unfortunately, all this is just part of the fucking job now. It used to be you were in a band or whatever. You just made the fucking music. You showed up for the shows. You showed up for the press that your publicist set up for you. But there was a whole team that handled the marketing. These days, it's all part of the part of the job. Unless you're a legacy actor, the biggest of the biggest. You don't have a team or a label running your social media. You got to do that shit yourself because everybody can smell inauthent- inauthenticity. So what happened with TikTok is I just started using that for you page more. If you're not familiar, it's basically you get um <clears throat> you get a page of the people you followed so you can scroll and you'll see everything that your your friends are posting. And then what most people use is the for you page, which is kind of like a combination of the most popular stuff. And then the rest is kind of tailored to your interests. So I don't know, it's got the, that for you page has got this sneaky fucking algorithm that I guess locked into my behavior. It took note of what I was watching all the way through, what I was skipping. And eventually I started seeing a lot of fun stuff that I thought was really cool and interesting and fun and funny. And I started getting kind of addicted to the app and would spend a lot of time there. I know that's their fucking plan. It just made me laugh. So so I started messing around with doing some videos. And then a couple of my videos just started getting pushed out to a lot of people and it fucking blew my mind. Like I, I think the second week that I was active on there, I went semi-viral three days in a row. Um, which has not happened since. So I I, I should have appreciated that as, as kind of, of more of a peculiarity than uh than the new normal um but yeah this was really exciting for me and again i've talked a lot about this on my patreon i I have a couple blog posts on there about the whole tiktok experience so i don't want to do too much double dipping but i just never felt like i was able to get much traction on instagram which is the platform that i've been spending most of my energy on uh for the past few years but yeah tiktok just started putting me in front of a lot of people after using it for a month i have surpassed the amount of followers that i've amassed on instagram after being on that damn thing for over three years so it's really well not over three years when i think i almost three years almost three years um so it's really crazy just after all this time of scratching my head wondering what I should do with the this social media stuff, the, the TikTok revelation has been pretty great for me. You know, I got the pod I got this podcast and the other things for the people who fucking get it, the people who are on board, the close circle, but you still gotta figure out how to find people on the outside, let them know there's a party going on, you know, and, and I hope this isn't too inside baseball or whatever, but th- but this is all part of the job. As much as I'd love to uh just focus on the music, you know, you gotta, you gotta get people to hear the music. That that's always been the biggest thorn in my side. So so yeah, that's been great. But it's also been a test because I've been dealing with a lot of fucking trolls, um, which is kind of new for me. Beyond the ultimate troll that lives inside my head is my inner monologue. This 
sick bastard has known me since I was zero and knows exactly how to cut myself down because it's me. Um, but, but I've just been used to, for the most part, toiling in obscurity for the past damn near two decades. Uh, not that I was not obscure before two decades. I was uh, not a child star or whatever. But um, beyond the occasional diss track from someone who I rubbed the wrong way, I haven't had to deal with that much negative feedback beyond some industry rejection and ghosting, which uh, I look forward to telling the story about in a later episode. I mean, who's going to write a bad review of someone no one's heard of? But as I'm showing up on people's For You pages, I've got a few videos with... Close to 20,000 views and a couple thousand faves. Uh, people love to just say mean shit on there. And I had this video that got pumped out where I told like a minute version of that story I talked about in the last episode. Uh, where I got publicly shamed by that comedian for singing to a karaoke track of Total Eclipse of the Heart. And it was just all bad vibes in the comments. Like there was, there was like not one good comment. Not one like, oh, that's crazy. It was all just like... People, actually, maybe there were a few, but it was mostly just people talking shit that I wouldn't name names, calling me a beta, saying that I was an... I, I, by the way, I'm definitely a beta. I, I, don't, I don't take much stock into what that means, but if that's real, I'm certainly more a beta than an alpha. If, if that means anything, I'm fine with that. Um, but they were saying that I, uh, I was an open target, the comedian was right um, to heckle me, I suck, everything under the sun. And I wish I could just be like, oh, you know, I read the four agreements. I know that the negativity is just a proje projection of their own insecurities and feelings of failure onto me. But it's just not that simple, especially as I've discussed with my therapist and then with you. A lot of us think that we're using social media to promote something, to network or whatever, but we're really mostly using it because we want to be liked. And we want to be accepted and we're filling a void that's missing either because of the pandemic or because we're too lazy to get out into the world more or at least that's what i think is going on for me so if we're going to this app for validation for feeling liked and suddenly all these strangers are just fucking telling you you suck then it's a bad feeling and i i've needed to take that into account and that's why i'm glad i'm in therapy during this just to remind myself, um, you know, you got to be able to walk away from this shit so it doesn't bog you down. Like if I wasn't dependent on this stuff to fill a hole that's missing in my life, then maybe I'd just check in a couple times a week, see how things are, th see how things are doing, maybe make some changes. But I'm kind of regrettably at the point where every post I'm, I'm at the edge of my seat wanting to see how it does. And, and that's a change that I'm working to make for myself. Then that's definitely something I'm working on. So another thing, and I'll end the podcast with this story. So this will, this will maybe be a shorter episode than the last few have been, if that's okay. But I saw a lot of people had been responding to uh, this email rapper. If you, if you, again, if you're not familiar with TikTok, um, if you, if someone makes a video, you, there's an option you can stitch it together and take like a, it, it'll start with maybe, maybe like a couple seconds of, of uh, someone's video and then you can make a response video. So there's this video of this emo rapper who's like 20 years old and he made this TikTok where he said that in six months he was going to be one of the biggest artists in the world. And I made this response video that was pretty tongue-in-cheek and was mostly making fun of myself for being old, but I got his name wrong a few times. And I just asked, um, 
why does everyone have to be the biggest artist right away? Why don't you start by selling out a Denny's, <laughs> you know, renting out a Denny's and doing a show and taking it from there? And the point was, per perhaps at this kid's expense, that a lot of people feel this pressure to pop off right away, to go viral and to have this immediate moment. And I think that desire is actually pretty detrimental to anyone's mental health, um, especially younger people who haven't really taken that many knocks. So a few days later, I wake up and I see this kid made a response video to mine and he's got like 200,000 followers on TikTok and he's pissed at me that I'd gotten his name wrong and he'd set it up so he's singing a song about haters in front of a green screen at a Denny's and honestly, it was pretty funny. But I did feel bad and I did start looking at the comments and people were calling me old and bitter. Um... And I just told myself, okay, this negativity about me now exists, and, but I don't need to know about it. And at first, I, I, like I said, I felt bad. I felt like maybe I was too much of a dick. Maybe I was bullying this kid. But I sent it to a few of my friends. I sent my video and the response, and they all thought it was funny and all in good fun. So that was okay. And none of his fans really went after me, but a few days later, someone did. Someone made a lot of comments on my original post and was really pissed at me and was saying that I just made that video because I was jealous of that kid because I missed my time. I missed my time. Now I'm gonna be honest with you. Out of all the negative comments that I've dealt with over the past month, or dealt with, fuck it, the, just the ones that I've, I've seen, um, this is the one that was hardest for me to move away from. First of all, I know it's bullshit. This is one of the main things we've talked about on this podcast. We've dispelled the myth of an expiration date, the myth of losing your time. One of the biggest lies anyone will ever tell you. But it's also been one of the greatest fears of mine that I had a dream for myself when I was young. I wasn't good enough. I made the wrong choices. I was too much of a dick. I pissed off the wrong people, wasn't cool enough or whatever, made the wrong friends, lived in the wrong city. And now I have to live the rest of my life as a failure, under the shadow of my dreams, wounded by the success of younger people who or friends who manifested what I wanted for myself but could never gain. It's a very alluring story of catastrophization. Uh, for those of us prone to depression or anxiety, cat catastrophizing is such a big thing where you just live in this reality where the worst possible outcome has happened that you're living in and there's nothing you can do about it. But I will say, I am trying to wrap my head around getting older. I know there's older people who, who might be rolling their eyes right now if, if you're listening and, and I, I know that this cycle never ends. But wrapping around, wrapping my head around being 33, closer to 34 now, honestly, well, about halfway there. Um, I, but I've talked about this before, but I used to have all these people, these examples I could look up to um, of benchmarks of singers who got their start later. People like Cindy Lauper, Blondie, James Murphy, Leonard Cohen. And I'm realizing that I'm starting to age out of that bracket too. I, I mean, like Cindy Lauper and Blondie, I think were 31. James Murphy was maybe my age, 33, when that first album came out. Leonard Cohen was 33 when his first album came out. It's just like, uh, honestly, who fucking cares? Um, it, it, it's just, we can tend to just be so specific about the significance of certain ages, what they mean. And it's just like, it's such bullshit. I wish, I wish we didn't care. 
um, there, there's something about like that that need to just be like, am I okay? Am I okay? Are things okay? And you just like need to have something to check to check to make sure you're gonna be okay. And then you can say like, oh well, Leonard Cohen or or James Murphy that you have those references. But what happens when you lose that? When you lose those? Um, so so anyways. It, it can be a little nerve-wracking now when you have those negative voices and you maybe start thinking, okay, maybe I have aged out of my dreams. But it's just a reality that you choose for yourself. You can either think, yeah, this, this stranger who's never met me or knows anything about me is right. I miss my time. Or you can think, well, I guess I gotta try to be another example of one of those late bloomers in music. Neither of those is more valid than the others. It's just a choice. And it can be easy to slide back and forth between those two extremes. On one extreme, I missed my time. On the other extreme, I'm going to be like Tina Turner and have my first major hit when I'm 45 or whatever. And again, this is, this is something I know we've talked about a lot. I also think it's bullshit that the happy ending has to be some sort of mass success. It has to be a number one song. It has to be like a critically acclaimed album. It has to be a sold-out show at some big theater or something, I think it's okay if the, the happy ending is just that you find purpose and meaning in the work that you do and others find it as well. And if you can keep that up and build a sustainable life around that, then how is that not a, how is that not the dream? You know, and, and that's something that anyone can do for themselves at any age. I, I think if, if they just put the put the work in and then they they stop self-sabotaging themselves it might not be what they envision but you never know what can come from that and that's something that certainly doesn't have an expiration mark and and um that's just the the why i've really embraced the um that's why i've really embraced the arc of more of an independent artist i'm again i'm an independent artist out of necessity because no one's ever been banging on my door uh, and and no one's come to swoop in. But there, there's something that's freeing when you don't have to worry about gatekeepers that you can just move forward yourself. And in, and in that sense, you could be fucking 40, 50, 60, whatever. I mean, you've got a story to tell and, and um, you've probably lived an interesting life and you can find people... Um, that, that you can resonate to. So, so fuck it all, man. Fuck it all. But this was a challenge to, uh, to get back to that mindset that I just said out loud. And it, it took a few days, but I was also able to let it go after a few days. Um, let that comment go. Let those lingering thoughts that came as a result to stare it in its face and to let it go. Maybe I'll call this episode The Art of Letting Go. So, so anyways, it's good to be back with the pod. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you're okay with me taking a break from the narrative to do some rambles to get it all out of my system. As always, I'd love to hear what you think about the episode. You can either message me on social media or shoot me an email at IamCalvero at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you next time. I'm going to try to get things back to once a month. But if you don't hear from me on here, it's because new music is on the way. Talk to you soon.